The following podcast contains spoilers and words such as done and bother. Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, good people, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. You know that's what it is because you clicked on this. I'm Billy. Over there, you can't see him. I can. That's Toph. How you doing, mate? Oh, I'm well, sir. Thank you for asking. Means a lot to me. Always. Oh, I, 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 like, I like to know how you are. I like to know what's going on in your life and that kind of stuff. We don't just talk movies. No. I mean, most of the messages we send each other, the bulk are not about movies. That's right. I got this great message from you just the other day about buying a tree. 20 bucks. That's a bargain for a tree. 20, I, I bought two. <laughs> well, that's how you know it's a bargain. Yeah. They, uh, they surviving? You got them planted? Uh, they're still alive. Well, so far we've put them into bigger pots to let them- continue to grow then once the weather's cooled down a little bit then we'll put them in the ground so would you say at the moment they're not that big uh they're like half a meter tall at the moment so would Just you little. say they're little things and from little things big things grow i know i want out of this conversation <laughs> <laughs> all right we're not talking about uh trees this week what are we, we watched about? a botany <laughs> Another great spin-off. I'm telling you, I've got a list. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> um, I don't know if you asked me or you're about to ask me, but we watched and are going to talk about The Little Things. That's right. 2021 American neo-noir crime film written and directed by John Lee Hancock. It stars Denzel Washington, Rami Malek and Jared Leto. And what is it about, Toph? Um... It's about the hunt for a serial killer. And if I've made it sound duller than it should be, (laughs) there's a reason for that. Well, here's the thing. This is a dull movie. I found it really, really, really hard to concentrate on this movie. I watched it almost immediately after finishing the very engaging One Night in Miami. And I was like, okay- This will be good. It'll be something different. You know, I was hoping for like a, you know, a really taut thriller. I was like, it might not be great, but I was hoping it would at least keep me engaged. I found it really hard to just pay attention to this. And it's not like it's hard to follow. It's just hard to watch. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, We watched this on Saturday night. Um, It's hard to say that I've, you know, at this point in my life, what else am I doing on a Saturday night? Nothing. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I really butchered a Saturday night with that one. But it's as close to butchering a Saturday night as I think I can currently come. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, it's- Spoiler alert, shit film. I'm shocked that Jared Leto got nominated for this. Critics haven't been enjoying this film. It's got a rating of like 46% or something. Absolutely. I mean, I heard one critic say that um, it's a bad film in which Jared Leto is bad. Well, that's the thing about it for me is that his performance- I don't like Jared Leto. Let me say that. This isn't even the best of Jared Leto. This is like, it's just not a good performance. But I don't think any of the performances are that strong. Even Denzel, classically great actor, I don't think he carries this film that well. No, I mean, one thing with, particularly with 21st century Denzel, is that the guy, I think to his credit, has a really good awareness of what movie am I in? And do I need to go full Fences? Yeah. Or- or am I doing The Equalizer 2? Yeah. A movie which, yeah. admittedly, I haven't seen, but <laughs> I think there's probably a reason why- You know enough about The it. Equalizer 2 is not considered on the Denzel Washington Mount Rushmore, because he's like, yeah. this is fine. 
I'm getting a check so that I can make fences. Yeah. Um, so I suspect that if Denzel didn't know what he was doing going into this film, by day two of the shoot, he probably did. But I guess, he, and therein lies my problem with it. Great that Denzel knows what this film is. I don't feel like the rest of the filmmakers or, or cast know what this is. I feel like the filmmakers themselves think this movie is a lot more highbrow than it is. They clearly think they're making seven. Like, and this movie deeply wants to be seven, but without the engaging taut script, without the directorial flourishes and without the good performances. <laughs> like, Yeah, so the writer-director has been at pains to point out that he wrote this before Seven came out, which I suppose you would be. Tonally, plot points, you would want people to know that you're not ripping off Seven. But it doesn't change the fact, does it, that in your head you're just going, geez, I wish I was watching Seven. Well, that's right. And that in itself, to me, is a problem. I brought this up as well when we watched Mank, which famously has a very, very old script. If this was really written before Seven, that would make this a, what, a 26-year-old screenplay. And I'm sure that there have been, you know, some punch-ups to it and stuff. I think it was written in 1990. I mean, there's a reason that it wasn't made in the 90s, because it's not that strong a script. and It came very close at certain points, like Clint Eastwood was attached at one point. So, that it was being taken seriously. That tracks. I could see this as an Eastwood movie, actually. And I feel like- that may have, have actually been a better film. Um, Spielberg was attached at one point, which is Jesus. weird. That is weird. That, look, and maybe this is part of the problem with it. Maybe in 1990, this felt fresher. But today in 2021, it feels very derivative. Even, you know, he can say that he wrote it before whatever he wants, but it still feels derivative. I mean, the selling point of the film, the hook for getting audiences into this, is that- Three Oscar winners. The three, yeah, absolutely. That's what all the marketing has been around. Should be one Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Denzel. I mean, Denzel is value for the two Oscars he's got. I think most people would agree, even if you're like, I would change the- If you're like me, you're like, I would maybe change around at least one of the films that he got it for. But still, you're like Denzel Washington, two-time Oscar winner. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, the other two should fucking hand theirs back. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I- I alluded this to this last week. I honestly, watching this movie, struggled to work out who I thought was worse out of Leto and, and Malik. I, I don't know if you're a Malik. I know that obviously you don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. Have you seen him in much else at this point? Did you ever check out Mr. Rope? I haven't, but it seems like every the whole world seems to be in agreement that he is very good in it. So, I watched the first season before it got completely up, up its own ass and just stopped making any sense. He is good in it, but then when you watch him in other things, you realise it's one of those performances where he's not actually- I don't think he's acting that much. He seems to be this kind of weird guy, and I, I don't know how much he's really putting into that performance because he, it's very samey. And look, there are times where that can work. Nobody can play Jason Bateman like Jason Bateman does. And Jason Bateman has a hell of a lot of range. Like, if you see him in Arrested Development and then him in Ozark, he is the exact same person, but just two different sides of it. I don't think Rami Malek has that depth. <laughs> I just can't see it. <laughs> so, like, I can say that I liked Rami Malek in Short Term 12. I can say that I'm going in with benefit of the doubt of him being a Bond villain, looking forward to it. Um do I think Rami Malek was in any way good in this film? No, I do not. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
do I think his Oscar win was something that just shouldn't even be spoken <laughs> of. <laughs> yes, I do. Remind um, me what Leto won for again. He won for Dallas Buyers Club. That's right. With McConaughey. He is, he is very good in one scene of that film. I'll give him that. That's all it takes it's for about, an Oscar, mate. It's about the most I've ever given to Jared Leto. Um, mid- midway through watching this film, as I'm just like, and I don't think I was saying anything. I think my other half was just detecting my eye rolls of every time that Jared Leto was doing something in a scene. And she was like, yeah, but you just don't like Jared Leto. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're correct. Uh, the um, other, the he other- does- he does too much in everything. He's like, he's the only thing I don't like about Blade Runner 2049 because he's just overacting the shit out of every fucking scene he's in as he does in, let me think, every movie he's in. Like, I I can deal with the Golden Globes nomination because they're a fucking wild bunch. But what's up with SAG? Are they just off their meds? What's going on there? I find the nomination so confusing because it's not a, big role it's really not a big role it's almost like okay i don't want to bring up hopkins in silence of the lambs but it's it's quite minor in terms of the film at large i think and it's not like this has been a very widely talked about film or anything i i just i was baff it was the most baffling of all of the nominations for me like a leto aside no matter who was in that role i was just shocked by the nomination And at least the Globes nomination, you were like, okay, it's the Globes being the Globes, like, whatever. And then SAG happened and it was like, wait, hang on, is this is this a thing? And it's just got me wondering whether, you know, there's been so much talk about 2020 as a year in film. And because cinemas were closed down and stuff, we didn't get that many big releases. And that's been a big part of the discussion. But- there were still a lot of good movies, you know, and I feel like it was a pretty good year for independent film as well. But then when you see this pop up in the nominations- Turn it up, SAG. (laughs) (laughs) Can I bring up one thing about the film that I liked? Do it. One thing I really, really enjoyed about this film, and get your bingo cards out, kids- I really liked the score for this film. I actually didn't mind the score. I loved the score. And I feel like the score- And this was part of my thing earlier where I was saying I don't feel like the filmmakers know what this film was. The score was too good for this film. <laughs> like, the score added any ounce of atmosphere and kind of nuance that this film had, for me, came from the score. And I actually feel like if they'd done without that, it might have been a stronger film. If this film had lent into some level of 90s thriller cheese- I might have actually enjoyed it a bit more rather than taking itself so seriously when it's just not that strong. But the score was really great. Should Jared Leto's character have, in fact, been played by a very attractive woman? Yes. Yes. And she should have uncrossed her legs at one point. (laughs) Better film. (laughs) Better film. Better film. And that's a bad film. (laughs) But better than this. Yeah, but you know what? I never got distracted during Basic Instinct. I, I bet you didn't, I you didn't, animal. <laughs> I didn't like Basic Instinct, but I was able to sit there and laugh through the whole thing. Whereas this, I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just scroll on my phone for a bit. I mean, I think we all want better for Denzel than this movie. I want better for Denzel because I think this movie's not good. And then there's like, when you 
<laughs> you look at the script and like what Denzel has to do in this film. There's periods where you're like, "Wow, I want better for you, Denzel." Than <laughs> than the scene, the scene with the corpses in his room. What's that about? <laughs> what is going on? What movie do you think you're making here? That scene is ridiculous. Yeah, it thinks it's and Mario. Then, <laughs> and then Denzel has the the shameful burden of pet peeve of mine saying the name of the film. Yeah. Then do you know what happens later in the film? They say it again. He has to say it again. <laughs> I know. In case in I case you missed thing. out. <laughs> I know. I know it's one of your most hated things. I actually get quite a bit of enjoyment out of it when they find a way to work it in there. But um, doing like it the one more out than of ten times is a big problem. The one out of ten times that it works, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly I hate it. <laughs> um, oh, my God. The corpse is in his bedroom. What is going on there? Just, oh, come on. Just know you're a disposable. I'm, I'm not against a disposable crime flick. In, in the last week, um, I caught up on- Den of Thieves, which I hadn't seen. Okay, yeah, I heard that was terrible, but I bet it was better than this. It is better than this, um, and it's not a good film, yeah. but it knows exactly what it is. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's f- and so it's fine. That's because the thing. you you know you're sitting there in front of a disposable crime flick. D- there is nothing wrong with a disposable film of any kind. One of the one of my favorite films from last year was a film called Love and Monsters, which is, and yeah, the name itself sounds ridiculous, but it knows exactly what it is and it has the right amount of level of fun with it. And this just, that's what I mean. It really thought that this was like a deep detective noir, like, and it's, there's nothing noir about this film. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't deserve the accent. I should be saying it noy. Because it doesn't, it doesn't deserve to be called noir with the fancy. That, that can be a, a, a new category for if you're a dark film that just flat out sucks. Yes, you're a noir. You're a noir. Yeah, like fucking Joker. <laughs> what classic noir staple? <laughs> do you know the <laughs> watching Jared Leto in this film? Do you know what his energy in this film really reminded me of? What's that? Do you remember the brother from Caster Troy's brother in Face Off? Who's <laughs> <laughs> just constantly doing this kind of, you know, I picture him as having like elbows close together kind of high caster. <laughs> like just doing, swinging for the rafters and missing horrible. Uh, see, and there is an example of a of a crime thriller that knows what it is. Face Off knows what it is because starting with the fact that it's called Face Off, <laughs> that movie's never going anywhere else. You know what energy Leto should have gone with for this? Retirement. Malkovich in Con Air. To me, that is the perfect thriller villain. Like, pick the wrong Nicolas Cage film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When we when we do eventually, there's a scene in this film where we do get the um, famously three Oscar winners in in the same room, yep. and in this scene, it becomes just stunningly apparent that these three actors think they're in three different movies. Yeah, yeah. 
It's all over the shop. Leto doesn't even know they're filming. He's just being a fucking <laughs> creeper. Just- <laughs> <laughs> the director calls cut. Leto's like, oh, what? <laughs> In, in the voting bodies out there, it's just, just just a lot of emo fans. Like, are there people that are just subscribed on Spotify to his band? What's going on here? Wait, Leto has a band? Yeah, um, what are they called? Can we close today's episode with a snippet of a song? <laughs> <laughs> is 30 Seconds to Mars Leto or is that another- or is, it, or is it a band like 30 Seconds to Mars? No, that actually- that sounds familiar. That's, that's striking me as, as something that- Let me open up another tab here and check that out for you. Look, I shouldn't say too much because it's not like I've listened to a lot of 30 Seconds to Mars. Um, yep, there he is. There's his fucking face. Um, what I have heard certainly did not make me want to listen to any more. Um, I don't have the, the requisite daddy issues to be that into that kind of music. <laughs> so, people should haven't stick- listened to a lot of 30 Seconds to Mars. People should stick to their lanes. It's the same as Russell Crowe thinking that he can have a band. Like, mate, you're not allowed to have a band, Rusty. At least I think I think Rusty knows what he's doing. Like when he go, like he plays in he plays pubs and travels around in a in an old van. He's like, yeah, this is stupid. <laughs> Whereas you just know that Jared Leto thinks that yeah, this is the next fucking Led Zeppelin four that we're making here. Yeah, yeah, you can get that vibe. Here's a. This is not a pet peeve against this film. This is something I find weird in every film, or at least I reached a point in my life where it became, why is this a thing? And it's a, I think this is a real throwback to, yes, this script definitely was written fucking 30 years ago kind of thing, because I think we've probably got away from this a bit. The whole, in crime films or action films or whatever, the whole, the feds are going to come in and take over this investigation and how- that always seems like a disaster for the cops. Yeah. And at this point in my life, I'm like, how how's the work ethic on these cops? Yeah. If someone came up to us and were like, hey, if you don't wrap up this edit in the next couple of days, <laughs> they're bringing in the big guns. I'd be like, oh, yes, fucking please. sweet. <laughs> yeah, get them in now. <laughs> <laughs> Who Just are these down cops? tools and off I go. <laughs> exactly. Who are these cops who are like, Oh, God, no. Someone's going to do my work for me. Yeah. <laughs> and not just anyone. People better than me. Yeah. Yeah. People who were able to get in at the federal level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, another thing that another thing that really dates this script, because I don't think I've- I, I don't think I've heard this in a film for quite a long time. The reason being that it's become a joke, because did you just immediately go- to Dr. Evil, when Jared Leto said, you and I are probably a lot alike. <laughs> I just, I like legitimately, I burst out laughing. Yeah. I was like, come on, movie. Are you serious? <laughs> Next thing you know, We're Jared not so Leto- different, you and I. <laughs> Next thing you know, Jared Leto is going to demand a billion dollars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something I don't actually remember because i didn't pay a lot of attention did they, <laughs> did they crack well out a, place to talk about this aren't you did they crack out a mobile phone in this movie no you know what that tells me that they didn't update this script since 1990 no they didn't they like um rami malik's character has a pager see that they very much they very much did set it back in what is now 
horrifyingly the old timey nineties. Well, that's just lazy. That's just lazy. Like, oh, see, I think any investigation film is better set decades ago. It's too, there's too much stuff now. It's no good. I don't like it. Well, I, I mean, to an extent, I agree, but I also feel like with any period piece, the error needs to be a character, and if it's not, then you are doing it purely out of laziness. It's purely so that you don't need to think about the plot holes of technology. And to me, that's just lazy. Like, there is no- Like, why- Crack out some fucking Nirvana in the soundtrack, honestly. You know, like, really embed it in that time and place and make it feel like the 90s, if that's what you're going to do. You know what I mean? I'm going to be a bit on the nose to crack out Nirvana myself. No. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying, like, deep in there. Just ha- have a snippet on the radio as they're driving at one point. Like- mm. You know what's the what's the what's the nineteen ninety? Can't remember when this movie's meant to be set. Where it was like nineteen ninety nine ninety three or something. But are you just making what, what's, that up? Did it what's actually the, say it was set in the nineties? I don't know if it specifically said it did, or if I just knew that knew that they had said it that they hadn't updated the setting. Okay, from it, when the script was the written. first line of Wikipedia says one night in nineteen ninety, but I don't believe that that's actually established in the film. Oh, like, I'll stick up for the film here. I don't think it needs to. I think that's just clear. I don't think it's clear. I don't okay, think it's well. Clear. Make the 90s I'm, a character. That's all I'm, I'm saying. I'm, I'm more in sync with the little things than you, apparently. Um, not proud of that. <laughs> um, so, what's the- Like, if we're not going to have Nirvana, what's the 1990 equivalent of 30 Seconds to Mars? Like, what is Jared Leto's character listening to? Like, what's, what's the most emo thing on the airwaves? Yeah, in 1990. I mean, honestly, Nirvana, man, get some heart-shaped box going. Well, that's true. Like, Nirvana, yeah, because the whole- like, Nirvana were early emo. Like, the whole Seattle thing is good, is kind of- Yeah. Good emo. Because you were before pop punk, and pop punk really was what gave birth to what is present-day emo. Now, you could argue that The Cure were emo, for example. Absolutely. But- I would say that Nirvana were probably 90s emo. I remember having an argument with an emo fan once. And they're like, oh, you know, you're just you're just against, like, songwriters, you know, showing and, and talking about emotion. I'm like, no, that's what's what that's what <laughs> pop songs have been about since the dawn of songs. It's what all the best pop songs are about, mate. I mean, there's that fantastic fucking line in High Fidelity that I relate to so much. Am I miserable because I listen to pop music or do I listen to pop music because I'm miserable? I think of what that- What came about, first, the music or the miserable? I think about that about 20 times a day because you know that I mostly listen to Slit Your Wrists music. Like, yeah. e- either that or, like, trumpets blaring twee. I have no middle ground. But- Yep. Yeah. The amount of music that that was in our lives over the decades that was written by- Miserable white men. Massive oh, percentage. Yeah. I've got I've got no issue with a songwriter being in touch with their feelings. I've got an issue with fucking horrendous music. Yeah. And that's I would I would say that present day emo has become very heavily associated with pop punk. We're probably that far removed from peak emo now that it's that emo is retro. Well, that's probably true. It's been a minute. Oh my god, how old are we? <laughs> it's been a while since I was at a <laughs> I was at a a, fe- a music festival was where we were waiting for um we were waiting for Faith No More to come on. Right. But at the, but at the stage next door we got there for and in time for the start of that set 
and at the next door stage was was an emo band. <laughs> the amount of people who just like <laughs> so there's there's all these people already in front of the Faith No More stage, and then there's of course a lot of people emoing it up. Yeah, just. 20 metres that way. And then at the end of each song, there'd be this giant applause from the people over to my right and then just spotted him with the odd, you suck! (laughs) (laughs) Let me me say this. Rami Malek plays like the straight-laced cop. Yeah. And okay, if he's at some point going to deviate from that, that's fine, provided it's a kind of believable bit of progression in, in the character's development in the film. That's that's absolutely fine. When he goes off with Creeper Leto, yeah. there is nothing in what has happened to this character and his behaviours in that film to make me go, yeah, that's what that cop did. Yeah, I agree. As bad as this film is, the ending is 10 times worse than everything else. Just the last 10 to 15 minutes completely falls apart for me. <laughs> and even the whole, you know, tying back into what we find out about Denzel's character, which- Why is that in the movie? Yeah. It's irrelevant. It it doesn't add anything to any character progression or character growth. I mean, there is no character growth, I don't yeah, think. because they're like, sure, you know, it, it ties into then what happens with the Rami Malek's character, but- I, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would have to care. Yes. Yes. I suppose, is the problem. <laughs> yeah, that is the problem. And that is the problem with this film, is that I just didn't care. Like I said, I, I really struggled to just pay attention. And for a movie that should be more interesting, like, even just based on the premise, it just- it should be a more interesting movie. Because even the whole, you know, I, I wrote and directed this film, so I'm going to be at pains to tell you that I wrote this before Seven. But the whole, um, the knot, the knot- head in a box moment with the cop and the killer. Um, The fact that that Rami Malek's character gets driven to that just does not track at all. Like, Jared Leto is just irritating him to death is the worst thing that's going on in that scene. He's just being really fucking irritating. That's what Jared Leto is doing to all of us just by being in this film. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like we didn't get- We know Rami Malek's got a family- He's got kids. It's not like they were in peril. Nothing like that going on. No. Just, just I really badly don't want to be- Okay, actually, I'm talking myself into this. <laughs> the cop's just like, I badly don't want to be around Jared Leto anymore. I know. I'll fucking kill him with a shovel. <laughs> you know what? I take it back. It tracks. It tracks. It tracks. <laughs> okay, obviously, we've had nothing- We've had nothing good to say about this film. No. Um, mostly, I think it's probably worth pointing out in the film's defense, loose, loose defense. Don't defend the film, mate. Don't do that. It might not be as aggressively bad as I've made out. Mostly, it's just deeply uninteresting. Uh, I agree. That's my problem with it. I don't think that- I do think the screenplay is incredibly weak. I do think the performances are pretty bad. I don't understand the nomination at all. I think the three lead performances are all pretty, pretty terrible. I think the direction is fine. Um, and like I said, I really like the score. But my biggest problem with the film is that it's just so fucking dull and I don't give a shit. There was nothing to keep me there wanting to watch. I didn't care what happened. I d- so honestly- Do you know what I started doing that was occupying me? What? Was counting how many people who'd been- How many performers in this film who had been in Aaron Sorkin shows popped up? Right. 
at least that's in some way related to the film. I was just looking up recipes for, like, smoking pig. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, you should come round on on the weekend. I'm totally going to smoke a pig. Sounds good. Yeah. I I haven't decided if I'm going to do pig or lamb, but- but yeah, I'm gonna get like you know some smoking chips and you know maybe some hickory or some mesquite. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I just couldn't pay attention to the movie. So how are you scoring it? A generous four out of ten. And like I said, because it's not actually that. There are things that are genuinely bad. There's like, there's a lot of things that, that that are genuinely bad about it. Mostly, it's just uninteresting. Yeah, to me, that's the worst crime a film can be is uninteresting. So I'm a three. Like, you could be the best-looking film in the world with amazing performances. If you're not engaging me in some way, that is the worst crime a film can have. So, I'm a three, and those- Honestly, even those three points feel too high for me. Some of it is for the score. Some of it is because it's not terrible. But, yeah, I did not enjoy this movie. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. It's not what you- And honestly, after last week, we had to see Shia LaBeouf's pain- this was the last thing I wanted after that. Mm. Just nasty. So, so, so where are you going if behind one door is watching a Jared Leto performance and behind the other door is watching a Shia LaBeouf performance, but you know at some point he's going to whip out his junk? I would- I'd go LaBeouf. I'd go LaBeouf. Yeah, same. Yeah, because even though the peen would be present, he's, he's a better actor for me. Easily. And he picks more engaging roles as well. How pumped are you for Leto returning in uh, in Justice League, mate? I mean, I'm just pumped that the thing's reportedly like four hours long. I'm hoping that that the that all you know and that the, the entire ninety minutes that we haven't seen yet. I'm hoping that's all Jared Leto <laughs> because. I loved his performance in Suicide Squad so much. Absolutely. And now they backflipped. It was going to be a miniseries and now it's just a four hour film again. Yeah. We're gonna- Thank God. I mean, I don't I don't want any breaks between I, I want four hour I want I want Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Eyes taped open. <laughs> We're gonna have to do it on the show. DCEU coming into my eyeball. <laughs> is the D okay, is the DCEU the new emo? Is that what emo has yes, become? Yes, yes. Jared Leto, new emo. Jared Leto picked up emo music. Yes. And he's like, I know what I could do with this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> we have to do the Snyder Cut on the show, right? We ha- I deeply don't want to, but also we have to. I Honestly, can I make my prediction? I think it's going to be worse. I think it's going to be worse than the original cut. That's actually hard to imagine. But just imagine the original 90 minutes longer. <laughs> it's worse, yeah, but right? <laughs> oh, but, with, but with Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> well, that's right. How is this going to be good? How are people not already pulling their eyeballs out? <laughs> <laughs> He'll get nominated. In summary, just watch Seven. Yeah. Yeah, just watch Seven. Yeah. Watch Seven twice before you watch this at two times speed. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't. I wish I had watched this at fast speed. Let me preface that by saying I watched this at painstakingly slow one time speed. Wow. I know. Like I, like moving through molasses. I'm such you. a hero. Yep. <laughs> All right. What are we getting to do next week, mate? But how much of the film did you watch? Well, well, I mean- Pretty I, good. I, I Like let, a good chunk? I let the whole thing play. <laughs> how yeah, often were my eyeballs on the screen? I don't know. I don't know. What are we getting to do next week, mate? 
next week, why don't we do something better <laughs> and do Malcolm and Marie? Yeah, all right. I'll do that. I'll do that. Famously about the uh, the 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 star-crossed relationship between Malcolm X and Marie Antoinette. Is that right? I think that's I think that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Same time period. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, before the twenty-first century. Yeah. 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 So, yes. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. All right. I'm keen for that. All right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and we'll catch you next week. Watch a movie, folks. I don't know the login to our Insta, so I can't. <laughs> um, it'd be... It'd be- it's the same as everything same else. Same as everything. Yeah. I mean, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs>